This is a When Walls Can Talk network podcast. Welcome back to When Walls Can Talk, the podcast, and our continued expedition into the haunted island of Alcatraz. I hope you enjoyed part one where we covered the history and formation of this island. But today, on part two, we dive into the most infamous characters, crimes, and escapes that occurred here. And at the end, we will discuss the most notorious paranormal experiences had on the island. I hope you enjoy part two of Shadows of the Rock, Legends and Infamy of Alcatraz. venture deeper into the bowels of this infamous prison known as Alcatraz, it's time to shine a spotlight on some of its most notorious inhabitants. These individuals, their names etched into the annals of crime, cast a long, haunting shadow over the island's legacy. Join me as we navigate through the murky waters of Alcatraz's past and encounter the faces of infamy. From gangsters to masterminds of daring escapes, their stories will leave you captivated and chilled to the bone. So fasten your seatbelts and brace yourself for a journey into the minds of the most notorious prisoners to ever set foot on Alcatraz. Al Scarface Capone, a name that strikes fear into the hearts of even the most hardened souls. Born on January 17, 1899 in Brooklyn, New York, Capone would eventually become one of the most notorious gangsters in American history. His reign of terror began during the Prohibition era when he seized control of the illegal alcohol trade in Chicago, earning him immense wealth and power. Capone's criminal empire was built on violence, corruption, and ruthless tactics. He was the mastermind behind numerous illegal activities, including bootlegging, gambling, and prostitution. His control over the city's illicit operations was absolute, and he would stop at nothing to maintain his dominance. However, it was Capone's involvement in the St. Valentine's Day Massacre that truly solidified his reputation as a cold-blooded monster. On February 14, 1929, seven members of rival gangster George Bugs Moran's gang were brutally gunned down in a garage on North Clark Street. Though Capone was never convicted of the crime, it is widely believed that he orchestrated the massacre as a means to eliminate Moran's competition. The FBI and law enforcement agencies were relentless in their pursuit of Capone, determined to bring him to justice. However, it was not his violent crimes that ultimately led to his downfall. In a twist of fate, Capone was convicted of tax evasion in 1931, serving as a stark reminder that even the most powerful criminals are not untouchable by the long arm of the law. Sentenced to 11 years in federal prison, Capone was transferred to Alcatraz in 1934, adding yet another layer of notoriety to the island's grim reputation. Inside the cold, unforgiving walls of the rock, Capone's power and influence diminished. Stripped of his lavish lifestyle and surrounded by some of the most hardened criminals in the country, he experienced a taste of the punishment he had inflicted upon others. During his time at Alcatraz, Capone's health deteriorated rapidly. He suffered from syphilis and the long-term effects of untreated gonorrhea, leading to the deterioration of his mind and body. 
Despite his physical and mental decline, Capone maintained a sense of authority amongst the inmates, often utilizing his remaining influence to secure privileges and favors. Released from prison in 1939, Capone's once iron grip on the criminal underworld had weakened significantly. His health continued to deteriorate, and he spent his remaining years in seclusion until his death on January 25, 1947, at the age of 48. Al Scarface Capone's legacy continues to fascinate and captivate the imagination. He embodied the dark side of the American dream, a symbol of both ruthless ambition and the inevitable downfall that awaits those who choose a life of crime. Robert the Birdman Stroud, a figure shrouded in mystery and infamy. Born on January 28, 1890, in Seattle, Washington, Stroud's path would take a dangerous turn, leading him down a dark and twisted road. Stroud's criminal journey began at a young age when he displayed a propensity for trouble and rebellion. His criminal record started with minor offenses, but it was his act of cold-blooded murder that would cement his place in history. In 1909, Stroud brutally murdered a bartender who had allegedly attacked one of his girlfriends. This act of violence landed him a sentence of 12 years in the federal penitentiary. It is during his time behind bars that Stroud's infamy would truly take flight. While incarcerated at Leavenworth Federal Penitentiary, Stroud developed a profound interest in birds, particularly canaries. He became an expert in ornithology and even authored a book on the subject. Stroud's Digest of the Diseases of Birds. However, Stroud's fascination with avian life would lead him down a dark and forbidden path. In 1916, he brutally killed a prison guard who had denied him the right to keep his beloved canaries. This heinous act resulted in a death sentence, later commuted to life imprisonment. Stroud's notoriety grew exponentially during his time at the infamous Alcatraz, where he spent over 17 years of his life. In the isolated confines of the island fortress, Stroud's reputation as the Birdman took flight. He transformed his tiny prison cell into an aviary, housing and caring for an impressive array of birds. His expertise in ornithology continued to grow, and he made significant contributions to the field, conducting extensive research and publishing articles. Despite his unusual affinity for birds, it is crucial to remember the severity of Stroud's crimes. He was a dangerous and unpredictable individual, capable of extreme acts of violence. The walls of Alcatraz bore witness to his troubled and tormented existence, a constant reminder of the consequences of his actions. Released from Alcatraz in 1959, Stroud spent his remaining years in the Medical Center for Federal Prisoners in Springfield, Missouri. His health deteriorated, and he died on November 21, 1963, at the age of 73. Robert the Birdman Stroud remains an enigmatic figure, his legacy a fascinating blend of darkness and complexity. He is a testament to the profound impact that individuals can have, even within the confines of a prison cell. George Machine Gun Kelly a notorious figure whose criminal exploits and larger-than-life persona have left an indelible mark on American crime. Born on January 18, 1895 in Memphis, Tennessee, Kelly's journey into infamy would be defined by his involvement in bootlegging, kidnapping, and bank robbery. 
Kelly's criminal career gained momentum during the Prohibition era when he ventured into the illicit world of bootlegging, capitalizing on the lucrative underground liquor trade. His association with criminal syndicates and his fondness for firearms earned him the moniker Machine Gun Kelly, a name that would strike fear into the hearts of law enforcement and the public alike. However, it was his involvement in the high-profile kidnapping of oil tycoon Charles F. Urschel that would catapult Kelly into the national spotlight. In 1933, along with his wife, Catherine Machine Gun Kelly, orchestrated the abduction of Urschel, demanding a hefty ransom for his release. The brazenness of the crime and the subsequent media frenzy thrust Kelly into the ranks of the most notorious criminals of all time. Despite his criminal notoriety, Kelly's reign of terror was relatively short-lived. In 1933, he was apprehended by the FBI in Memphis, marking the beginning of the end for his criminal empire. Kelly's arrest not only brought an end to his criminal activities, but also signaled a turning point in the fight against organized crime in America. Following his capture, Kelly faced trial for his involvement in the Urschel kidnapping and was subsequently sentenced to life imprisonment. He was incarcerated in various federal prisons, including Alcatraz, where he would spend a significant portion of his life behind bars. Kelly's notoriety stems not only from his criminal activities, but also from the larger-than-life persona he cultivated. Often depicted as a charismatic and flamboyant figure, he captured the imagination of the public, becoming an emblem of the lawless and rebellious spirit of the era. In the realm of popular culture, Kelly's story has been immortalized in books, films, and even music, solidifying his status as a legend of American crime. George Machine Gun Kelly remains an enduring symbol of the dark underbelly of the Prohibition era. His audacious criminal exploits and the mystique surrounding his persona have ensured his place in the pantheon of American crime legends. Alvin Creepy Carpus a name that instilled fear and fascination in the hearts of many during the infamous era of organized crime in America. Born on August 10, 1907 in Montreal, Canada, Carpus would go on to become one of the most notorious criminals of his time. Carpus's criminal career began in the early 1920s when he joined forces with a gang of bank robbers known as the Barker Carpus Gang. Led by the notorious Ma Barker and her son Fred, the gang was involved in a string of high-profile bank robberies, kidnappings, and other violent crimes that struck fear into the hearts of law enforcement. However, it was Carpus's association with the infamous criminal duo Charles Pretty Boy Floyd and Babyface Nelson that elevated his criminal notoriety. Together, they created a formidable alliance, terrorizing communities across the United States and evading capture for an extended period. Carpus's most notorious crime came in 1933 when he orchestrated the kidnapping of wealthy brewer William Ham Jr. and his business partner, Edward Bremer. The audacity of the crime and the substantial ransom demand sent shockwaves through the nation, cementing his reputation as a ruthless and cunning criminal. The Barker Carpus gang's reign of terror came to an end in 1935 when Carpus was finally apprehended by the FBI. Following his arrest, Carpus became the first individual to be placed on the FBI's newly established Most Wanted list, a testament to the severity of his crimes and the threat he posed to society. After his capture, Carpus was sentenced to life imprisonment and became an inmate at the notorious 
Alcatraz Island, the impenetrable fortress designed to hold the most dangerous criminals of the time. His time on the rock would prove to be a significant chapter in his criminal history, as he spent over 25 years behind its formidable walls. While incarcerated, Carpus became known for his intelligence and willingness to cooperate with authorities. He provided valuable insights into the inner workings of organized crime, and even shared information about his former associates, aiding in the pursuit and capture of other high-profile criminals. Carpus's criminal exploits and his time on Alcatraz have also been immortalized in books, films, and other forms of popular culture, solidifying his status as one of the most intriguing figures of the criminal underworld. Arthur Doc Barker Known for his involvement in the Barker-Carpus gang, Doc Barker's criminal career was characterized by violence, robbery, and a relentless pursuit of ill-gotten gains. Born into a criminal family, Doc Barker was destined to follow in the footsteps of his notorious father, Ma Barker, and his brothers. With a gang consisting of hardened criminals, including the infamous Alan Creepy Carpus, Doc Barker embarked on a crime spree that shook the nation. Their criminal activities spanned across multiple states, including bank robberies, kidnappings, and violent confrontations with law enforcement. Doc Barker was known for his quick temper and his willingness to resort to violence to achieve his goals. He was a mastermind behind many of the gang's intricate plans, using his intelligence and cunning to outsmart authorities and evade capture. However, the law eventually caught up with Doc Barker. In January 1935, he was arrested in Chicago after a fierce gun battle with the FBI. Charged with multiple counts of robbery, kidnapping, and murder, Barker was sentenced to life imprisonment. His time in Alcatraz further solidified his reputation as a hardened criminal. Despite the strict security measures in place, Doc Barker continued his involvement in illicit activities within the prison's walls, maintaining connections with fellow inmates and orchestrating illegal operations. Tragically, Doc Barker's criminal career came to a violent end. In January 1939, during an escape attempt from Alcatraz, he was shot and killed by guards, putting an end to a life steeped in crime and infamy. James Whitey Bulger Born in South Boston, Bulger's rise to power as the leader of the Winter Hill Gang cemented his status as one of the most ruthless and feared criminals in American history. Whitey Bulger's criminal career was a reign of terror that spanned several decades. He was involved in various illegal activities, including extortion, drug trafficking, and racketeering. His gang's control over the criminal underworld in Boston was unparalleled, and they operated with impunity, thanks in part to Bulger's ability to manipulate law enforcement and maintain a network of informants. One of Bulger's most infamous crimes was his role as an FBI informant. While providing information to the agency, he used his status to eliminate rival gang members and protect his own criminal interests. This unholy alliance between Bulger and the FBI allowed him to evade capture for years, leading to widespread corruption and a betrayal of the public's trust. In 1959, Bulger was briefly transferred to maximum security at Alcatraz Federal Penitentiary in California. During his time at Alcatraz, he kept in shape through weightlifting and took advantage of educational opportunities afforded to inmates. He completed various correspondence courses, including typing, bookkeeping, and business law. He also became a voracious reader, devouring numerous books on poetry, politics, and military history. 
Later in his sentence, he was transferred to Leavenworth Federal Penitentiary and in 1963 to Lewisburg Federal Penitentiary. Bolger's third petition for parole in 1965 was granted after he had served nine years in prison. He would not be arrested again for 46 years. The reign of Whitey Bolger finally came to an end in 2011 when he was captured in Santa Monica, California after 16 years on the run. His capture brought to light the extent of his crimes and the web of corruption that had allowed him to operate for so long. During his trial, the true extent of Bolger's crimes was revealed. He was convicted of multiple counts of murder, racketeering, and conspiracy. The stories of his brutality and disregard for human life shocked the nation as victims and their families finally received some semblance of justice. James Whitey Bolger's legacy is one of violence, corruption, and the erosion of trust in law enforcement. His criminal empire left a trail of destruction in its wake, impacting countless lives and forever altering the landscape of organized crime in Boston. Once a prisoner set foot on the desolate shores of Alcatraz, their thoughts inevitably turned to one thing, escape. Throughout its 29 years of operation, the penitentiary proudly boasted that no prisoner had ever successfully escaped. However, this claim was tested by a total of 36 prisoners who dared to defy the impenetrable walls. 14 escape attempts were made, some prisoners even trying their luck twice. The outcome was a mixture of captures, fatal confrontations, tragic drownings, and five prisoners who disappeared without a trace, presumed to have been swallowed by the treacherous waters surrounding the island. The first attempt occurred on April 27, 1936, when Joseph Bowers, assigned to the task of burning trash at the incinerator, made a daring move. Scaling a chain-link fence at the island's edge, Bowers caught the attention of a vigilant correctional officer stationed at the West Round Guard Tower. Ignoring orders to surrender, Bowers met a tragic fate as he was shot in an attempt to evade capture. The fall from a height of over 50 feet left him gravely injured, and he ultimately succumbed to his injuries. The second escape attempt took place on a stormy day, December 16, 1937, when Theodore Cole and Ralph Rowe seized an opportunity during their work assignment in one of the workshops. Methodically cutting through the flat iron bars of a window, they made their daring escape into the unforgiving bay. The prison authorities, believing the rough waters of the bay had claimed their lives, declared them drowned, their bodies lost at sea. These early escape attempts set the stage for a cat-and-mouse game between prisoners seeking freedom and the relentless vigilance of the guards. Alcatraz became an arena where desperation clashed with unforgiving forces, leaving behind a trail of daring attempts and tragic outcomes. The legend of escape permeated the prison's history, fueling the determination of future prisoners to challenge the supposedly impenetrable fortress of Alcatraz. A tumultuous chapter in Alcatraz's history unfolded on May 2nd through 4th, 1946, forever etching the Battle of Alcatraz, known as the Alcatraz Blastout, into the prison's lore. It was an audacious and violent escape attempt led by six prisoners, Bernard Coy, Joseph Kretzer, Sam Shockley, Clarence Carnes, Marvin Hubbard, and Moran Thompson. 
Seizing control of the cell house, they overpowered correctional officers and gained access to the weapons room, where their demand for the keys to the outside recreation door reverberated through the halls of the infamous penitentiary. In a stroke of quick thinking, guard William Miller handed over all the keys except the one to the outer door, which he cunningly pocketed. The prisoners planned to escape by boat from the dock hit an unforeseeable obstacle when they failed to unlock the outside door. Faced with this setback, they made a fateful decision to engage in a desperate battle. Holding Miller and another guard, Harold Stites, as hostages, the tense standoff escalated under the instigation of Shockley and Thompson. It was Joseph Kretzer who, at close range, unleashed fatal shots upon the hostages. Miller succumbed to his injuries, and Stites met a tragic end within the confines of the cell house. While Shockley, Thompson, and Carnes eventually retreated to their cells, Coy, Kretzer, and Hubbard persisted in their resistance, refusing to surrender. The United States Marines swiftly intervened, engaging in a fierce confrontation that culminated in the deaths of the three rebellious prisoners. Amidst the chaos and bloodshed, guards and prisoners alike suffered injuries, further underscoring the intensity of the battle. Shockley, Thompson, and Carnes faced justice for the heinous crime of killing correctional officers. Shockley and Thompson met their ultimate fate in the gas chamber at San Quentin in December 1948, paying the ultimate price for their violent actions. However, the young age of Clarence Carnes, who was only 19 at the time, granted him a second life sentence, condemning him to further years of confinement. As we've explored the haunting tales of Alcatraz's most notorious prisoners, we now shift our focus to a daring and mysterious event that captured the imagination of the world, the infamous escape from the seemingly impenetrable fortress. In a daring escape, Clarence Anglin, John Anglin, and Frank Morris successfully broke free from the confines of the Alcatraz Federal Penitentiary in June 1962. Under the cover of darkness, on the night of June 11th or the early morning hours of June 12th, the trio cleverly placed papier-mâché heads, resembling their own likenesses, in their beds to fool the prison guards during their nightly rounds. Through a network of ventilation ducts and an unused utility corridor, they made their way out of the main prison building. With their escape well underway, they embarked on an uncertain journey, setting sail on a makeshift inflatable raft. The escape of Clarence Anglin, John Anglin, and Frank Morris triggered an extensive investigation by the FBI and local authorities. Countless leads were pursued in the years that followed, but no definitive evidence ever emerged to confirm their fate. This absence of conclusive information has given rise to a multitude of theories, ranging from the plausible to the far-fetched, proposed by experts, journalists, family members, and enthusiasts alike. In 1979, the FBI officially concluded, based on combination of circumstantial evidence and expert opinions, that the escapees perished in the icy waters of San Francisco Bay before reaching the mainland. However, the case file maintained by the U.S. Marshal Service remains open and active to this day. Both Morris and the Anglin brothers continue to be listed as wanted individuals. Over time... New circumstantial and material evidence has come to light, reigniting debates and raising questions about the possibility of the inmate's survival. This intriguing saga of the Alcatraz escape continues to captivate the public's imagination, leaving us to ponder the ultimate fate of Clarence Anglin, John Anglin.
and Frank Morris. Frank Morris and the Anglin brothers were not strangers to the criminal underworld before their fateful arrival at Alcatraz. Their troubled pasts and brushes with the law shaped their destinies and ultimately led them to the confines of the notorious prison. Frank Morris, a native of Washington, D.C., faced a troubled upbringing. Abandoned by his parents at a young age, he spent his childhood in foster homes as an orphan. His involvement in criminal activities began early, with his first offense occurring at the age of 13. As a teenager, he was arrested multiple times for various crimes, including narcotics possession and armed robbery. During this time, Morris found himself serving time in jails, primarily working as a lunch server for federal inmates. His criminal record expanded to include grand larceny, car theft, and armed robbery. Despite his troubled past, Morris possessed remarkable intelligence, ranking in the top 2% of the population with an IQ of 133. His criminal journey eventually led him to the Louisiana State Penitentiary, where he successfully escaped while serving a sentence for bank robbery. However, he was recaptured during a burglary and ultimately sent to Alcatraz on January 20th, 1960, assigned inmate number AZ-1441. John and Clarence Anglin, born into a large family of 14 children in Donaldsonville, Georgia, shared a close bond from an early age. Their parents worked as seasonal farm laborers, moving the family to Ruskin, Florida, in search of more stable employment opportunities. The brothers displayed exceptional swimming skills, even braving the frigid waters of Lake Michigan with ice still present. Clarence's first encounter with the law occurred when he was caught breaking into a service station at the age of 14. In the early 1950s, John, Clarence, and their brother Alfred formed a criminal trio specializing in bank robberies and other heists. To minimize the risk of harm to others, they meticulously targeted closed businesses. They claimed to have even used a toy gun during a bank heist. In 1958, the trio carried out a successful robbery of the Columbia Savings Bank building in Alabama, resulting in 35-year sentences. After repeated escape attempts from the Atlanta facility, John and Clarence were transferred to Alcatraz. John arrived on October 24, 1960, as inmate AZ-1476, while Clarence followed on January 10, 1961, as inmate AZ-1485. Yet there is a fourth member of the Escape from Alcatraz story that not many know about. Alan West, born in New York City, had a criminal history that spanned numerous arrests. His offenses primarily involved car theft, leading to his imprisonment at various facilities, including Atlanta Penitentiary and the Florida State Prison. His escape attempt from the Florida facility ultimately led to his transfer to Alcatraz in 1957 at the age of 28. He became inmate AZ-1335 and remained on the island until his death on December 21st, 1978. The arrival of these four inmates at Alcatraz marked a turning point in their criminal journeys. As they stepped foot on the infamous prison island, they faced the challenge of an institution designed to hold the most dangerous and escape-prone criminals. However, Frank Morris and the Anglin brothers were not deterred. They saw Alcatraz not as an impenetrable fortress, but as a puzzle waiting to be solved. 
breaking free from the confines of Alcatraz, Frank Morris and the Anglin brothers achieved the seemingly impossible. Their daring escape sent shockwaves through the world, defying the prison's impenetrable reputation. But the plot thickens. Recent developments have sent shockwaves through the investigative community, challenging the FBI's long-held conclusion. Startling new evidence has emerged, casting doubt on the official account and reigniting the flames of intrigue. Could it be possible that Morris and the England brothers evaded their captors, leaving them dumbfounded and the world in awe of their audacity? What if their disappearance was meticulously planned and flawlessly executed, their cunning strategies outsmarting even the most advanced security measures? In the months leading up to the escape, Frank Morris, a cunning and resourceful inmate, meticulously studied the layout and weaknesses of Alcatraz. With a keen eye for detail, he carefully observed the routines of the prison guards, noting their patterns and vulnerabilities. He knew that timing would be everything. Frank Morris, the mastermind, brought together his fellow inmates, John and Clarence Anglin, along with Alan West. These men who had crossed path in their previous stints behind bars found themselves assigned nearly adjacent cells in December 1961. Little did the prison authorities know that this proximity would fuel a daring escape plot. Their first challenge was to overcome the security measures of Alcatraz. For six long months, beneath the cover of darkness, the four men meticulously widened the ventilation ducts beneath their sinks. With discarded saw blades, metal spoons, and an improvised electric drill made from a vacuum cleaner motor, they chipped away at the walls of their confinement. Their tireless efforts were masked by the sounds of Morris's accordion, skillfully played during the designed music hour. The process was arduous, carried out in painstakingly small increments to avoid detection. Through painted cardboard covered with soap, expertly recreating the facade of the ventilation grills they were actively widening, they concealed their progress, ensuring their secret remained hidden from prying eyes. As the carving continued, they meticulously collected the debris, ensuring that no trace of their work would be left behind. Each stroke of the chisel, each fragment of metal removed, brought them one step closer to freedom. With each passing night, the escapees inched closer to their goal, working tirelessly to enlarge the tunnel that would lead them to freedom. The sweat, the fatigue, the constant threat of discovery, all were endured with an unwavering determination. The cramped space of the ventilation ducts became a symbol of hope, a passageway to a world beyond the confines of their cells. It was a painstaking labor of love, a defiance of their captors, and a testament to the unyielding spirit of those who refused to be confined. In the shadows of Alcatraz, the escapees carved their hopes into the very fabric of the prison walls. They defied the oppressive atmosphere, the watchful eyes, and the impenetrable walls. Finally, the holes were large enough to pass through, granting them access to an unguarded utility corridor behind their cells. Quietly, they ascended to the vacant top level of the cell block, establishing their covert workshop. With secrecy as their ally, the inmates gathered and hoarded whatever materials they could find within the prison's walls. Using raincoats and other stolen materials, the men crafted life preservers based on designs found in magazines like Popular Mechanics. 
With careful precision, they stitched the seams by hand and sealed them with liquid plastic procured from the prison's shops. They constructed a rubber raft, six feet by fourteen feet, ingeniously melting it together with the aid of nearby steam pipes. Makeshift paddles were fashioned from plywood and screws, ensuring their vessel could navigate the treacherous waters that lay ahead. With nimble fingers and determined minds, they transformed the materials into makeshift life vests. Carefully stitching and reinforcing, they ensured that these vests would provide at least some measure of buoyancy in the unforgiving waters that awaited them. Their final obstacle was the roof, which they conquered by climbing a ventilation shaft and removing the rivets securing a large fan. The path to freedom was nearly complete. To maintain the illusion of their presence while working in their workshop, the men created realistic dummy heads using a mixture of soap, toothpaste, concrete dust, and toilet paper. With paint from the maintenance shop and hair collected from the barbershop floor, these counterfeit heads rested on their pillows while clothes and towels were artfully arranged under their blankets. To the unsuspecting eyes of the guards, they appeared sound asleep. It was a brilliant ruse, a calculated gambit to buy them the precious time they needed to continue working in the confines of the ventilation ducts. As the day of the escape grew near, Morris, the mastermind behind it all, meticulously calculated the tides and currents of the San Francisco Bay. He knew that timing their departure was crucial, as the treacherous waters surrounding the island were known to be unforgiving. On the fateful night of June 11, 1962, Morris, Clarence, and John made their move. The night had come, the night of their great escape. With nerves of steel and determination in their hearts, Morris, John Anglin, and Clarence Anglin set their plan into motion. Alan West, unfortunately, encountered a setback, as the cement he had used to reinforce his vent had hardened, leaving him trapped in his cell. Disheartened, he returned to his bunk and fell asleep, his dreams of freedom crushed. Morris and the Anglins, however, pressed on, the air thick with anticipation as they surveyed their surroundings, knowing that the journey to freedom was far from over. Their next move required them to climb upwards, navigating the labyrinth of pipes that snaked their way through the prison's infrastructure. With calculated precision, they ascended the treacherous network of pipes. Each metal rung they grasped, each precarious foothold they secured brought them closer to their ultimate goal. In the vast space above the cell block, their senses heightened, attuned to the slightest sound or movement that could betray their presence. The hushed whispers among the escapees echoed against the cavernous expanse, mingling with the steady drip of condensation from the overhead pipes. Time seemed to stand still as they navigated this precarious realm, suspended between the freedom they craved and the prison from which they sought to break free. Their ascent symbolized more than a physical climb. It embodied the relentless pursuit of freedom, the unwavering belief that they could transcend the confines of their circumstances. Through the meticulously carved hole, they emerged onto the rooftop of Alcatraz, the final barrier between them and their long-awaited taste of freedom. The wind howled as they took in the breathtaking view, a panorama that spanned the vast expanse of the bay. As they stood on the rooftop, their eyes fixed on the daunting descent that awaited them. A single drain pipe became their lifeline. It stood tall and steadfast, a conduit that would guide them to the water's edge where their journey would continue. 
As they descended, the sound of their own breath mixed with the crashing waves below became a symphony of anticipation. The frigid waters of the bay awaited them, their icy depths a stark contrast to the burning desire for freedom that fueled their every step. They knew the risks involved, the treacherous currents and the chilling temperatures that could claim their lives, but their resolve remained unshaken. With each passing moment, the distance between them and Alcatraz grew as they inched closer to the unknown. The weight of their past crimes and the weight of their years spent behind bars seemed to dissipate, replaced by a renewed sense of purpose and the hope of a second chance. Near the power plant, concealed by the shadows, they inflated their makeshift raft, their destination, Angel Island, a mere two miles to the north. And so, the three men vanished into the night, leaving behind a trail of uncertainty in a prison in disarray. The prison guards and authorities would soon discover their absence, setting in motion a manhunt that would captivate the nation. For years, the official narrative proclaimed that the trio must have perished in the frigid waters of the San Francisco Bay. But new evidence has emerged that challenges this conclusion, casting doubt on their alleged demise. Could it be possible that they successfully reached the mainland, disappearing into the vast expanse of the world beyond? There are several reasons why many believe it would be next to impossible for the escapees of Alcatraz to endure the crossing, and they can be attributed to two formidable adversaries, the frigid temperatures and the lurking presence of 11 different species of sharks. The frigid temperatures of the bay create an environment that tests the limits of human endurance. The chilling waters drain the body of heat rapidly, leaving even the most resilient individuals vulnerable to hypothermia. The icy grip of the water penetrates the skin, numbing the extremities and sapping strength from weary bones. The relentless battle against the cold becomes an arduous test of survival, pushing the limits of physical and mental fortitude. To compound the challenge, the waters of the bay are home to an array of sharks, each possessing their own formidable reputation. With over 11 different species prowling the depths, the chances of encountering these apex predators are a constant concern. The great white shark, known for its powerful presence and calculated hunting tactics, strikes fear into the hearts of many. The swift and agile mako shark, with its sleek form and relentless pursuit, is another force to be reckoned with. These predators patrol the bay, their keen senses attuned to any sign of disturbance or vulnerability. The notion of surviving such conditions seems unfathomable to many. The odds of successfully crossing the bay and evading these formidable adversaries appear insurmountable. It is this perception of near impossibility that has led many to believe that the escapees of Alcatraz met their demise in the unforgiving waters. While the challenges posed by the frigid temperatures and the sharks cannot be underestimated, there remains a sense of fascination in the idea that a select few may have defied these odds. Days turned into nights as the search for the escaped inmates intensified. Military and law enforcement agencies scoured the air, sea, and land, their eyes strained for any sign of movement. The authorities were determined to capture these elusive fugitives who had dared to challenge the might of Alcatraz. It wasn't until the morning of June 12th when the truth of their escape was actually revealed. The guards, unsuspecting of the ruse, discovered the dummy heads resting peacefully on the inmates' bunks. Panic and disbelief swept through the prison as the magnitude of the escape became apparent. The hunt began, a relentless pursuit that stretched over ten agonizing days. On June 14th, 
a Coast Guard cutter intercepted a solitary paddle floating on the waters. And in a stroke of fate, on the same day and not far from there, workers on a boat discovered a wallet wrapped in plastic, its contents revealing the names, addresses, and faces of the England's loved ones. Again, days turned into weeks, and the investigation bore more clues. Shreds of a raincoat material, fragments of their makeshift raft, were found strewn on a nearby beach. A deflated life jacket, made from the same material, was recovered, a silent witness to their desperate flight. Yet despite the growing evidence, the escapees remained elusive. The FBI, in their relentless pursuit of the truth, maintained that the men had met their demise. But as the days passed, no human remains were recovered to confirm this assumption. Then, a sighting emerged from the depths of the ocean. On July 17th, a Norwegian ship spotted a lifeless body floating in the distance. But fate played its hand, for the ship did not retrieve the body, and the sighting remained concealed until months later. San Francisco County Coroner Henry Turkle cast doubt on the possibility that the body actually belonged to one of the escapees. The passing of time rendered it improbable, suggesting an alternative explanation. Yet some coroners challenged this assertion, arguing that the remains might indeed belong to one of the fugitives. In the face of this uncertainty, the FBI stood by their conclusion. The odds of survival against the treacherous currents and frigid waters were slim. The case grew cold, fading into the annals of history. The fate of Frank Morris and John and Clarence Anglin remained uncertain. Alcatraz, once a symbol of impenetrability, had been conquered. The FBI closed its file on December 31, 1979, after a 17-year investigation. Their official finding was that the prisoners most likely drowned in the cold waters of the bay while attempting to reach Angel Island. They cited the remnants found of the raft, as well as the personal effects of the men, as evidence that the raft broke up and sank at some point, and the three convicts succumbed to hypothermia, with their bodies swept out to sea by the rapid currents of the San Francisco Bay. The FBI did hand their evidence over to the U.S. Marshals Service, whose investigation remains open. As Deputy U.S. Marshal Michael Dyke told NPR, there's an active warrant, and the Marshals Service doesn't give up looking for people. In 2009, Dyke said he was still receiving leads on a regular basis. The warrant will expire in 2030, when all the missing men would be at least 100 years old. In the depths of time, whispers of the escaped convicts reached far and wide. The tale of their audacious flight from Alcatraz echoed through the ages, captivating the imaginations of those who yearned for answers. As the years rolled on, the mystery of their fate continued to unravel, weaving a tapestry to explain these unexplainable circumstances. On that fateful night, as darkness cloaked Alcatraz Island, a peculiar occurrence unfolded. A clandestine act that would fuel the flames of speculation and ignite the embers of hope. It was a theft. A theft of an essential tool, an instrument that might hold the key to their elusive freedom. 125 feet of electrical cord vanished from the island, slipping away into the night, leaving behind a trail of questions. What purpose could this mysterious disappearance serve? And in the depths of this enigma... Family members of the intrepid escapees found solace in their beliefs. They clung to a steadfast conviction that their loved ones had indeed seized the opportunity, attaching themselves to the final boat departing the island's docks. This vessel, a lifeline between Alcatraz and the mainland, carried visitors and passengers back and forth, ferrying them across the turbulent waters of uncertainty. The last boat, 
this perceived harbinger of escape, set sail at 11.15 that night, its engines humming with anticipation, its destination, the mainland. It became a vessel of hope, the vessel that carried the dreams of those who yearned for liberation. And in the hearts of the escapees' kin, a flicker of belief burned bright, for they were convinced that their brave souls had clung to the edges of that departing boat, attaching this 125 feet of electrical cord and hiding themselves from prying eyes. This cord could function like a tow line, assisting them in their travels to the mainland. Though the truth remains veiled, the conviction lingers. The missing cord, the last boat's departure, and the unwavering belief of their families intertwined to form a narrative steeped in hope. It is a tale of escape, of resilience against insurmountable odds, and the enduring spirit of those who dare to defy their fate. And so the mystery endures, entwined with the missing cord and the whispers of those who still hold on to the possibility of their loved one's survival. In the realm of scientific exploration and maritime analysis, a study conducted in 2014 by esteemed researchers from Delft University casts a revealing light on the fateful escape from Alcatraz. Through a meticulous examination of ocean currents, these scholars embarked on a quest to unlock the mysteries that had long surrounded the prisoners' disappearance. Their findings unveiled a meticulous detail. According to their calculations, if the prisoners embarked on their audacious journey precisely at 11.30pm on the eve of June 11th, a window of opportunity presented itself, leading them to a destination known as Horseshoe Bay. Located just north of the iconic Golden Gate Bridge, this point may have been their destination. The study further revealed the intricate dance of tides and currents that dictated the prisoners' chances of survival. Like capricious guardians of the sea, these forces stood as formidable obstacles, shaping the destiny of the escapees. If they departed before or after the crucial moment of 11.30pm, the tides and currents conspired against them, diminishing their prospects of reaching safety. The vast expanse of the ocean, once a realm of potential freedom, would become a harsh mistress, with slim chances of survival. Remarkably, the study shed light on the enigmatic debris that emerged in the aftermath. With scientific precision, it showcased how these fragments of evidence floated in a specific direction, guiding investigators towards Angel Island. This alignment with the discovery of the paddle and other belongings lent credence to the researchers' findings, providing a compelling link between the prisoners' trajectory and the remnants left in their wake. In the cloak of the night, as the moon cast its ethereal glow upon the bay, a San Francisco police officer named Robert Chechi became an unwitting witness to a scene that would ignite a spark of intrigue. At precisely 1 a.m., his eyes beheld an illegal boat, a vessel that danced upon the waters near the formidable Alcatraz. The sight etched itself into the police officer's memory. Could this be the fabled rendezvous, a secret alliance between the escaped prisoners and their confederates from beyond the prison's walls? Whispers of collusion filled the air, the notion that the prisoners had cunningly orchestrated their escape, enlisting the aid of trusted accomplices to whisk them away to newfound freedom. But as the FBI turned its gaze upon this tale, dismissing his account without hesitation, skepticism continued to cloud the air. Whispers began to abound of an unlikely alliance. Among the many theories that swirl around the legendary escape from Alcatraz, one stands out— involving none other than the notorious Mickey Cohen. Mickey Cohen, a prominent figure in the criminal underworld, renowned for his iron grip on the illicit activities of Los Angeles, emerges as a central player in this tale. The theory suggests that escapees Frank Morris and the Anglin brothers could not have accomplished their daring feat alone. 
Instead, they allegedly enlisted the services of Cohen, a mastermind with the resources and connections to orchestrate their bid for freedom. Conspirators suggest that Cohen's vast network of criminal associates and corrupt officials ensured a seamless getaway. Hidden in the shadows, his confidants secured a boat, charting a course that would lead the fugitives away from the clutches of the law. Through back channels and whispered conversations, they orchestrated the escape's final act, their paths converging at a predetermined location far from the watchful eyes of law enforcement. But like so many theories of the escape from Alcatraz, this tale is shrouded in ambiguity. Skeptics cast doubt on its veracity, questioning the feasibility of such an audacious collaboration. The FBI, with their own meticulous investigation, dismissed the notion, relegating it to the realm of speculation and conjecture. A compelling piece of evidence emerged in the 1970s that reignited curiosity about the fate of the Anglin brothers. A photograph, allegedly taken in Brazil, surfaced, showing two men who bore a striking resemblance to John and Clarence Anglin. This revelation captivated the imaginations of investigators and amateur enthusiasts alike, sparking renewed debate about the possibility of their successful escape. The photograph, purportedly captured in the lush landscapes of Brazil, depicted two middle-aged men in casual attire. Their features echoed those of the notorious Anglin brothers, John with his sharp jawline and piercing eyes, and Clarence with his distinctly chiseled features. The resemblance was uncanny, fueling hopes that the siblings had indeed eluded the clutches of the authorities and forged new lives in a distant land. News of the photograph quickly spread, igniting a frenzy of curiosity and prompting a wave of inquiries and investigations. The prospect that the Anglin brothers had evaded capture and established an existence abroad struck a chord with the public. In the forests of Brazil, an FBI investigation delved into the swirling rumors surrounding Clarence Anglin. Whispers from townsfolk spoke of a man living in the depths of South America, far from the prying eyes of justice. Agents embarked on this journey, venturing into the unknown, but the trails led them astray, leaving the truth shrouded in mystery. A man stepped forward in 1967, his voice laden with secrets in the weight of the past. He claimed to have known Frank Morris for three long decades, yet his words were veiled, refusing to divulge further details, leaving those who listened yearning for more. Messages emerged, cryptic and elusive, like shadows in the night. Postcards and letters found their way to the England family, teasing them with glimpses of hope. The words remained unsigned, leaving their origins shrouded in mystery. The mother of the England brothers was greeted with anonymous flowers every Mother's Day, a silent tribute to the bond that endured, and in the final farewell at her funeral, two enigmatic figures, tall and cloaked in heavy makeup, paid their respects, their identities concealed, but their presence felt. North Florida and Georgia became the stage for reported sightings. Federal officials recounted tales of six or seven encounters with the England brothers, their forms glimpsed in the shadows, slipping away before truth could take hold. In 1989, the web of mystery tightened further. A woman known only as Kathy reached out to the Unsolved Mysteries tip line, claiming that a photo of Clarence Anglin bore a striking resemblance to a man dwelling on a farm near Mariana, Florida. Another soul recognized the image, affirming that this man, too, resided nearby. Their descriptions matched, eye color, height, and features aligning in a dance of possibility. And as the sketches of Frank Morris emerged, one witness gasped in recognition, for she had seen a man of similar visage in the same area. The questions remained. 
floating on the edge of consciousness. Could it be? Did these escaped souls truly evade the clutches of the law? The epic whodunit continued to unfold, each revelation adding another layer to the story, and yet more confusion. And as the whispers of their potential existence echoed through time, the truth remained elusive, waiting to be uncovered by those with the courage to seek it. Through the passage of time, Alcatraz Island has amassed a rich tapestry of legends and tales that stretch back centuries. Its storied past, encompassing the presence of ancient Native Americans, the formidable fortress of Alcatraz, and its infamous incarnation as a high-security federal penitentiary, has left an indelible mark on the island. With such a history, steeped in darkness and confinement, it is no wonder that Alcatraz has become renowned as one of the most haunted places in the nation. Whispers of the supernatural echo through the halls, and it is said that Alcatraz serves as a gateway to another dimension, where the energies of those who walked its desolate corridors lingers, unable to find solace beyond the boundaries of the island. From its earliest visitors, tales of intrigue and spectral encounters have permeated it. The Native Americans, recognizing the island as a place inhabited by malevolent spirits, believed it to be a place of evil a place of exile where the banished lived alongside the spirits of darkness. Even in modern times, the presence of these restless spirits continues to manifest in ethereal forms, haunting both the staff and the many visitors who venture to Alcatraz. Eerie echoes of men's voices reverberate through the historic walls, accompanied by blood-chilling screams, clanging metal doors, and piercing whistles. During its tenure as a federal penitentiary, guards themselves were not immune to extraordinary circumstances. They spoke of encountering inexplicable phenomena, such as the sounds of sobbing and moaning, accompanied by disturbing odors. Some even reported encounters with what they dubbed the Thing, an entity with glowing eyes that materialized within the confines of the prison. Phantom prisoners and spectral soldiers were also said to have appeared before the astounded gaze of guards and the families that resided on the island, blurring the lines between the realm of the living and the ethereal. Even Warden Johnston, a man who steadfastly rejected the notion of ghosts, could not escape the inexplicable. During a tour of the prison, the warden and a group of guests were suddenly enveloped in the sound of a woman's inconsolable sobbing. The mournful cries echoed within the walls. As the sobbing abruptly ceased, an icy gust of wind swept through the group, leaving them shaken and bewildered. The charred remains of the old warden's house on the island bear witness to countless apparitions that have been sighted since the 1940s. During a Christmas gathering at Warden Johnston's residence, guards regaled their colleagues with a chilling tale of a spectral figure. A ghostly man materialized before their startled eyes, clad in a gray suit, donning a brimmed cap and sporting distinctive mutton-chop sideburns. The room suddenly plunged into an eerie coldness, and the fire within the Ben Franklin stove extinguished. Within moments, this strange apparition vanished. Among the island's haunting spectacles, the sudden appearance of the old lighthouse on foggy nights captivates the imagination. Accompanied by an otherworldly whistling sound and a faint, flickering green light, this ethereal sight emerges and dissipates as if summoned from the depths of the beyond. The prison's cell blocks, steeped in a chilling history, exude its own air of otherworldliness. Guards recounted harrowing experiences of hearing phantom cannon fire and gunshots, accompanied by spine-chilling screams so real that even the most hearted of individuals would instinctively hit the ground, fearing an impending prison break. 
However, upon cautiously surveying their surroundings, they found nothing amiss. Further adding to the enigma, guards often detected the scent of smoke emanating from the abandoned laundry room, as if an invisible fire raged within. Yet when they rushed to investigate, the room was engulfed in thick, impenetrable black smoke, compelling them to retreat. Mysteriously, within minutes, the smoke dissipated entirely, leaving no trace of its existence. Among the most chilling tales that surround Alcatraz, one cell stands out as the epitome of haunting and despair. 14D, known as the infamous Hole, where defiant inmates were cast into the depths of solitary confinement. This grim cell exudes an eternal chill that seeps into the very marrow of one's bones. It is a place where the spirit of confinement lingers, leaving a mark on those who endured its torments. One such prisoner, Ruth McCain, bore witness to the harrowing influence of 14D. After spending over three agonizing years locked within its claustrophobic confines, McCain emerged a changed man. His spirit broken, he committed a heinous act, taking the life of another inmate. Astonishingly, he stood trial and was ultimately acquitted, his defense successfully arguing that the relentless torment of Cell 14D had irreparably damaged his psyche. The haunting echoes of Alcatraz reverberate through time, reaching even the watchful ears of Ranger Rex Norman in 1984. Stirred from his slumber by the jarring sound of a heavy steel door swinging wildly in Cell Block C, Norman ventured forth to investigate. Yet as he arrived at the scene, the unsettling sound abruptly ceased, only to resume its eerie symphony on the subsequent night, as if a restless spirit were toying with the senses. To unravel the mystery that plagued Alcatraz, the park system enlisted the aid of renowned psychic Sylvia Brown, accompanied by a team from CBS News. September 10th, 1984, marked the day of their arrival on the island. Brown, delving into the ethereal realm, identified the specter as Butcher Malkowitz, a notorious hitman who had met his demise at the hands of a fellow prisoner within the confines of the laundry room. In a daring seance, Brown sought to coax the restless soul of Butcher Malkowitz into relinquishing its grip on Alcatraz. Yet despite her efforts, the defiant spirit remained obstinate, refusing to heed her call. Alcatraz, it seemed, would forever be haunted by the malevolent presence of its past. The native tribes had long believed in the island's maleficent energy, warning of its association with evil spirits. And while the restless ghost of Butcher Malkowitz may eventually choose to depart, the indelible imprint of Alcatraz's dark legacy will endure. It remains an island steeped in darkness. A former guard related his stories about Cell Block D, particularly Cells 12 and 14, and the frightening remnant energy lingering in the subterranean portion of the prison. During his stint in the mid-1940s, convicts were often confined in one of the 14 cells in D-Block, cells 9 through 14 known as the Hole. On one occasion, an inmate was locked in the Hole. Within seconds, he began screaming that someone with glowing eyes was in there with him. Tales of a ghostly presence wandering the darkened corridors in clothing from the late 1800s had been a continual source of practical joking among the guards, so the convicts' pleas of being attacked were ignored. The man's screaming continued well into the night, until there was silence. The following day, the guards inspected the cell. The convict was dead. A horrible expression etched on his face and noticeable hand marks around his throat. The autopsy revealed that the strangulation was not self-inflicted. Some say he was strangled by a guard who'd had enough of his screaming, although no guard ever admitted it. 
even to the other guards. Others believed it was a restless, evil spirit of a former inmate who exacted his revenge on yet another helpless soul. To add to the mystery, the day after the tragedy, several guards, performing a routine lineup of the convicts, counted one too many people. At the end of the line, the guards witnessed an extra body, that of the recently deceased convict. As everyone looked on in stunned silence, the figure of the ghostly convict vanished into thin air. The haunted legacy of Alcatraz extends far beyond D-Block, permeating other areas of the prison. In cell block C, the utility passageway where convicts Bernard Coy, Joseph Kretzer, and Marvin Hubbard lost their lives during the escape attempt in 1946 is believed to harbor an unseen presence. Clanging noises reverberate through the passage, ceasing only when the door swings open, only to resume with haunting persistence upon its closure. Apparitions of men in fatigues and disembodied voices have also been reported at the site of the deadly riot. In the old hospital ward, disembodied voices and the agonized screams of inmates once shackled to tables to calm their unrest still echo through the halls. The voices of the afflicted reverberate in the old mess hall below, their anguished cries carried on the unseen currents of the ethereal realm. Al Capone's presence within the prison carries its own spectral intrigue. Though denied access to musical instruments or radios early on in the prison's history, the phantom strains of a banjo have been reported emanating from Capone's former cell in the outer west end of cell block B. The haunted reputation of Alcatraz was showcased to the world in a 1992 episode of the popular television program, Sightings. Park service staff corroborated the paranormal history of the prison, recounting unexplained crashes, phantom footsteps, ethereal screams, self-closing cell doors, ghostly moans, clinking of chains, and an omnipresent sense of being watched. To delve deeper into the mysteries, sightings enlisted the expertise of psychic investigator Peter James. As he traversed the prison, he attuned himself to the residual energies that permeated the walls. He heard the anguished voices of men driven to madness, their experiences tinged with abuse, fear, and pain. The legends of Alcatraz Island's ghostly inhabitants have gained such prominence that they have become intertwined with the island's storied past. Its reputation as Hellcatraz has transcended the realm of merely folklore, forever cementing its status as a place where the realms of the living and the dead intertwine in a dance that defies comprehension. As we leave Alcatraz behind, we find ourselves standing at the crossroads of history, mystery, and the supernatural. Alcatraz, with its formidable walls and haunting corridors, has whispered tales of desperation, resilience, and countless otherworldly encounters throughout the ages— the ghosts of Alcatraz, those ethereal inhabitants who refuse to relinquish their grip on this realm, have become an integral part of its allure. They are the lingering whispers of past injustices, the residual energy of untold stories, and the echoes of souls trapped between realms. From the early Native Americans who believed in the malevolent spirits that dwelled here, to the prisoners who endured their sentence within its walls— Alcatraz is a repository of spectral echoes forever bound to its rugged shores. Through the eyes of the guards and prisoners who once walked here, we glimpse the hidden dimensions of its haunted history. The sobbing cries, the clanging of metal doors, and the apparitions that materialized before our very eyes reveal a world teetering on the precipice of the unknown. 
It is a place where the line between the tangible and the ethereal blurs, where the veil between this life and the next grows thin. Beyond its haunted reputation, Alcatraz has etched itself into American history as a symbol of punishment and reform. It serves as a stark reminder of our capacity for both cruelty and redemption, a testament to the enduring struggle between darkness and light. Alcatraz's legacy endures not only in the physical remnants of its walls, but also in the minds and hearts of those who are drawn to its allure. As we conclude our journey through the history of Alcatraz, we are clearly left with more questions than answers. The mysteries that shroud this island persist, captivating our imagination and challenging our understanding of the unknown. Let us continue to courageously embrace these mysteries with curiosity, and let us continue to explore the hidden dimensions of our world. For in the shadows of Alcatraz and all places like it, the whispers of the past will linger forever, inviting us yet again to listen, to question, and to marvel at the enigmatic forces that shape our human experience. Until then, may the echoes of Alcatraz guide us all on our own journeys of exploration and discovery. Hello, 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 everybody. Thank you so much for joining me for yet another episode of When Walls Can Talk, the podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Haig. If you're looking for further information about Alcatraz and are interested in learning more about this location, I have two recommendations for you. Number one is the episode on Alcatraz from Haunted Road by Amy Bruni, which, uh, is an incredible podcast if you've never checked it out. And one of the things I love the most about Amy's episodes is that they really focus on the experiences that people have had there, including herself. Alcatraz was a formidable place in her own interest into the supernatural. And in each episode, she interviews caretakers, other investigators, other people who are near to the location that she's talking about. And this one is just a really dense episode full of experiences that people have had that have really changed their own perceptions of the paranormal. So I highly recommend that one. I also recommend the episode on Alcatraz that can be found in my very favorite TV show hosted by the daddy of all daddies, Josh Gates. We love him. It's called Expedition Unknown. You can find it on Max or you can find it on Discovery+. Plus. And this episode really dives deep into the theories around what may have happened to the escapees in the infamous escape from Alcatraz. He goes to Brazil, he interviews the people involved in these stories to really make sense, and presents a very compelling case uh, that really makes me personally believe that they really did indeed escape and survive somewhere outside the United States. So... 
If you would like more depth on that conspiracy theory, I highly recommend that episode of Expedition Unknown. And yeah, the last thing I would like to say is if you have ever found yourself getting chills or gasping or learning something new about one of these locations, if you have found any episode of this podcast uh, enthralling or inviting or uh, revealing or just anything at all, please, may I ask you to do one thing for me? Will you jump on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, depending on wherever you're streaming, and leave us a review and a comment? Truly, it is the biggest thing that helps shows like mine grow and reach a bigger audience. So if you could take a moment and just let people know what you liked about it and what you gained, I would be so grateful. It would be so helpful to me as a as a grassroots kind of self-produced, self-created show. So thank you for that. As always, you can find me on social media at when walls can talk with underscores for spaces that will become more of our podcast page. Uh, if you're interested in more about me personally, you can find me at Jeremy D Hag on uh, Instagram. Our Twitter is at WWCT the podcast on Twitter. And yeah, uh, we have a Facebook group online. So if you want to engage with other listeners and join in the conversations around some of these topics, uh, find us on Facebook. But outside of that, I just want to say thank you yet again. Uh, and so excited, so excited actually for the one that we're doing next week. Uh, I will just say that we are leaving the continental United States next week and visiting a international version of Atlantis. So you can look forward to that next week. Once again, I'm Jeremy Haig. This is When Walls Can Talk, the podcast from the When Walls Can Talk podcast network. And thank you.